The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Glory to God. Glory to the living God. I want to, I need to be more like Jesus. I want to, I need to be more like Jesus. I want to, I need to be more like Him. Sing it again to the Lord. I want to, I need to be more like Jesus. I want to, I need to be more like Him. Remember, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. For a friend.
Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The message is entitled, I Choose to Serve Jesus. Oh Lord, I choose to follow you and I choose to serve you. And I ask that your glory yes. would come upon my face, yes, Lord. upon my heart. Yes, Mighty God, would you cause your glory to be seen in this house? For Lord, without it, we're empty. Come among us, Lord, now. I pray in your holy name. Amen. What stops me from following Jesus is my unbelief and my rebellion against the Most High. When I have rebellion in my heart, I open the door for judgment to come upon my life. But when I don't recognize the judgment of God upon my life, I don't see then the consequences for not following after Jesus and serving him. So it seems then that I can choose to serve him or choose not to serve him, and it's okay either way. But the fact is, part of the judgment that comes upon me is that I lose my eyesight and I lose my hearing so I won't know if there's judgment on my life. Part of this is because we have this incredible ability to find comfort in even the most uncomfortable of situations. So today I live in a house that is well-ordered. I can walk into the house and it's clean, it's neat, things are where they should be. I'm very comfortable there. But I've also lived in some places where things were totally out of order. Not my house. And I would walk in and I would see it all. I could become comfortable in that. I love to see a place that's with the grass mown and the, the edging done and the, I like a manicured yard. Well, in our lives, we become comfortable with everything in disorder and undone and we're comfortable because we have the minimums taken care of. We have some food for our belly. We have some air conditioning. We have a job. Okay, I can make it. So today, part of what I need to share with you are the specific things that the scriptures say represent the judgment of God on our lives. Now, maybe 
you will not have any of this. If none of these are true in your life, then there is no judgment of God on your life. And please forgive me for taking up your time. But if any of these are on your life, it's a judgment of God. I'm going to begin in the Old Testament. I am not going to do any kind of comprehensive survey. What I'm going to share with you could be found in countless scriptures. This is not a one text deal. This is throughout the entire Old Covenant. Then we're going to turn and we're going to go to the New Covenant. We're going to go to the New Testament. And I'm going to share there also and discover that the judgments of God, both in the Old and the New Covenant, are the same judgments. They're worded a little differently, but they're the same judgments. Let's begin in Jeremiah, the eighth chapter. Jeremiah, the eighth chapter. I'm going to begin with verse 4. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. When men fall down, do they not get up? When a man turns away, does he not return? Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit. They refuse to return. I have listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. No one repents of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Each pursues his own course like a horse charging into battle. This is what opens the door for the judgment of God upon our lives. When we say, this is what I have to do and I'm on my way, I am going to do what I have to do to take care of business. As soon as I've said that, I've now set myself up for the judgments of God to begin to fall on my life and on my family. Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons. The dove, the swift, the thrush observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. One of the first signs of judgment on a person's life is they no longer know what the Lord wants of them. They no longer understand what the Lord is asking for them to be doing or to be about with their lives. Because now all they see is this is my to-do list. This is what I want to make me comfortable. This is what I'm going to do. And so off they go and they lose all sense of what God wants them to be about. How can you say we are wise, for we have the law of the Lord, when actually the lying pen of the scribes have handled it falsely? So when God's wrath begins to come on a people who have set their own course, even the pastor turns aside and handles the word of God falsely and speaks only comfort to us out of that word. And then we pick up the word and we read something, but we're only going to see what we want to see because we have our glasses on of charging after our own course. 
Now, part of what this looks like when the lying pen of the scribes handles it falsely is you'll begin to hear a pastor say, God is love, and he just wants to love on you. He just wants to give you what your heart desire is. He just wants to, you know, God isn't going to bring judgment on you. And then I've actually heard brothers and sisters say to me, Pastor, we're different. God doesn't bring judgment on my life. He just loves me. I don't have judgment on my life. God just loves me. I'm different than you are. As soon as I hear a person say that, I know that they've heard a lying scribe handle the word of God falsely because it's not what the word of God says. The word of God says that if you choose to go your own way, judgments will fall on your life. So let's identify some of the judgments here in the eighth chapter of the book of Jeremiah. Verse nine, the wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped. The first sign of judgment on a person's life is shame. I'm ashamed of where I am. I'm ashamed of what I'm doing. I'm ashamed of what I don't have. I'm ashamed. Dismay or discouragement. A feeling of being trapped. I'm caught. I can't get out of this situation. I can't, I can't break through to do what I have to do. If I had, I would, but I don't have, so I can't. That's the cry of a person who's under the judgments of God. That's the first sign of judgment. I just can't do it because I don't have it. If I had it, I could do it, but I can't because I don't. I mean, how many times I've heard somebody say, no, pastor, if I just had the money, I'd, if I just had whatever, if I just had, if I just had, I would. First sign of judgment from God. If you hear yourself beginning to say, if I had, I would, no, God's judgment has fallen on your life. The first sign is to be put to shame, to be dismayed to be trapped, to be powerless, to be in a rat race. That's a sign of judgment of God. Since they have rejected the word of the Lord, what kind of wisdom do they have? Therefore, I will give their wives to other men. In that trapped place, marriages begin to come apart. Those marriages begin to come apart because the judgment of God is upon us. And the hearts of our wives will begin to turn toward other things and other people. The hearts of our husbands will begin to turn toward other things and other people. 
and there will be a beginning of a breaking in the marriage relationship and the intimacy and the closeness will be lost in the marriage because they will begin to go two separate ways. That's a sign of the judgment of God. That can only happen in a marriage where the couple has been choosing to go their own way. But now bickering and disagreement begins to come. Anger begins to burn. Disagreement begins to rule the marriage relationship. The husband begins to say, I wish my wife had just... I wish my wife would just, I wish my wife would just, and the wife is saying, I wish my husband would just. A direct sign of the judgment of God coming on that couple because they have determined to follow their own way and not serve the living God of heaven. Therefore, I'll give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners their fields to new owners. I will begin, he's saying, to take away what they own. I will take from them what they own. I will cause them not to be able to make the rent, not to be able to make the mortgage, not to be able to do the repairs in the house that they need to do, not to be able to take care of the car that they have. I will begin to bring judgment upon their finances, upon their fields where they earn their money. I'll bring judgment on their jobs. So their jobs will become a place of torment and bitterness and anguish because I'm taking away from them their ability to take care of themselves and go their own way. Now, if you follow through the book of Jeremiah, through this eighth chapter, you'll discover that now God begins to give them poisoned water to drink. Then he begins to send poisoned snakes into their lives. I can't tell you how many times I've had a dream of a poison serpent biting me. Knowing now that that's a sign of God's judgment on my life, if I have that kind of dream, I rush into the prayer closet and I begin to cry aloud to the Lord and ask him to spare me that serpent's bite. I've experienced that serpent's bite. I know what it means. It means a loss. It means something is about to be ripped away that's vital for life. It means a dear brother, sister in Christ are going to turn in bitterness against me. It means that a family member is going to turn in bitterness against me. It means something is going to happen. Part of the judgment of God is for poison snakes to begin to bite us. You notice verse 15, it says, We hope for peace, but no good has come for a time of healing, but only tear. So part of what happens during this 
time of judgment upon us is that we have high hopes. Maybe tomorrow things will be better. Maybe tomorrow things will turn around. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe Lady Luck will smile upon me. You know, it's just a toss of the dice. Tomorrow I'll get it. No, the judgment of God is upon you, and he controls the throw of the dice. These are the judgments described in the eighth chapter, the book of Jeremiah. Now go with me to Romans, the first chapter, and let's see what the New Testament judgments of God look like. Romans, the first chapter, verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. So the wrath of God comes in the new covenant against those who suppress the truth by their rebellion against God. The wrath of God begins to come upon a person who says, I will have it my way. For although they knew God, verse 21, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men, birds, animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another." So in the New Covenant, one of the first signs of the judgment of God upon our lives is that we stop saying thank you to Jesus. We no longer glorify him or honor him because the wrath of God is coming upon us. And so now we don't recognize him as God Because we're worshiping our boss, or we're worshiping money, or we're worshiping a pet. What holds priority in our heart is not the living God of heaven. And so the judgments of God begin to come upon us so that we no longer thank God. We no longer praise him. And he gives us over to the sinful desires of our hearts so that whatever it is that our hearts desire, he gives it to us. And one of the first things that he begins to give us to is sexual uncleanness. So now the husband, instead of having eyes only for his beautiful wife. He has eyes for every woman walking down the street. He has eyes for pornography. 
know the judgment of God is upon your life if that's where you're walking. Or women, lust fills your heart. All you can think about is the lust of your heart, the lust for things, the lust for peace, the lust for for my joy, the lust for my recreation, the lust for I'm going to have it my way and I'm going to beat up anybody who gets in my way to stop me from having what I want. I will have what I want. No, the judgment of God has come upon you. These are the first signs in the new covenant of the judgment of God coming upon a man or a woman. And obviously what this does is it begins again now to break the marriage vow. Because the wife is lusting after something other than her husband. And the husband is lusting after something, not his wife. So there's sexual uncleanness between a husband and a wife. There's sexual uncleanness in the heart. There's a lusting after things of darkness. A sign of the judgment of God upon our life. Now we can become comfortable in these judgments. And husbands and wives can become roommates. Yes, Lord. We can become comfortable in these judgments of God, and they only increase in pain and anguish and torment. Separation. They cause us to be separated one from another. They they break family relationships. They break church relationships. And finally, in bitterness of heart, we say, it's too late for me. God has left me. God hasn't left us. We're the ones who left him. We don't have to leave the presence of God. Remember what Cain said? I'm being driven from the presence of God. God never said said I was driving Cain from my presence. That was Cain's response to the curse of God on his life. His heart. God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things. So now again, not just Jeremiah 8, but Romans 1. I worship the paycheck. <laughs> I worship the grill. My food. I worship the things of the flesh. Worship my refrigerator. I'm exhausted by all of my worship of all these other things. As I'm worshiping those things, those relationships that are most precious to me are being destroyed and stolen away. Everything of value and worth is being drained from my life. Until I finally say, I don't have anything left, I might as well just die. Satan has lied to us, and the judgments of God are upon us. Where do we turn? The 
God gave them over. Verse 28, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They'd be filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. It's the picture of total judgment. Now, if you look with me also in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, look at verse 17 and on. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So the Lord is saying, as we rebel against God, one of the judgments that God brings upon us is a hard heart that causes us to be utterly ignorant So we don't even know that the hardness of heart is in us. We've missed it. We don't think we're hard-hearted. We think we're doing fine. But in fact, we're hard-hearted and we're ignorant because we've rebelled against the Most High. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. This is the curse, the judgment of God that comes upon a man or woman who charges forward and says, I will have my own way. I will do it myself. This is what happens to the heart of a man who turns against the Most High. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So the gospel of Jesus comes to us and it says... Let go of those deceitful desires. We all have them. Now, which of us in this house has not desired to be somebody? Which of us has not worshipped the idea that we could be acclaimed a winner? Which of us has not desired, particularly men, to be somebody nobody messes with. Because we can get them back twice as hard. We can defend ourselves. Either with words. Or with a pen. Or with our fists. With a man. 
All of us have these deceitful desires within us. All of us have the deceitful desire to be the center of attention and the universe. To have what we want, to belong where we want to belong, to be in charge. All of us have these deceitful desires, and the devil will come to me and he'll say, not only do you have that deceitful desire, that's what you're trying to accomplish. And that's where I have to stand up and take the word of God and say, no, I am going to serve and follow Jesus Christ. Mr. Devil, get behind me. I'm not going to buy your lies. Yes, I've had that deceitful desire in my heart. And yes, I have surrendered that to the blood of Jesus. And I'm no longer going to walk that way. That's not where I'm at. I am submitted to Jesus Christ. I stand there by faith under the blood of Jesus. Now no lie can touch me. I'm secure. The curse and the judgment of God is broken from my life when I repent, when I surrender and submit, and I say, I will have Jesus. You are to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speaking truthfully to his neighbor, for we are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may pay the mortgage. No, that's not what it says. Doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Doesn't say so I can make the payment. That's God's business. My business is to have something to share with my brother or my sister who's in need. Do you have something to share with your brother or sister in need, or do you need it all to cover your own deal? If you need it all to cover your own deal, you are under the judgment of God because you've hardened your heart against the Lord and you're going your own way. The Lord wants us to have something to share. That's a blessing of God. You know the blessing of God is upon your life when there is an overflowing abundance in your life in every area, time, energy, money, everything there's an abundance of, and you can pour out to your brother, to your sister. But when everything's tight, I don't have any time. I don't have any energy. I don't have this. I don't have that. I barely have, I don't even have enough to cover my deal. You're under the judgment of God. You've got to recognize that judgment. There is only one way to move out from under the judgment of God. To repent. I pray today that as I identify these, if you're under any of these judgments, 
You'll begin to recognize them and be willing to admit that you're under that judgment and begin to cry out in repentance to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not even sure what brought me into this judgment, but I'm here. I've lost all sensitivity. I've lost my ability to perceive in the spirit. Lord, give me back my perception. Give me back a sound mind that I can see and understand so that I'll know what to even repent about. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now there's a startling idea, isn't it? That everything I'm going to say from now on will only be for one reason, to build somebody up, not to put a knife in their ribs. Everything I'm going to say is going to be for the purpose of encouraging your heart to follow Jesus. Everything is going to be to help you in your journey toward heaven. Instead of trying to create my own security and my own kingdom and my own righteousness and my own place of standing. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then he identifies specifically the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. This is to Christians. He's saying, if you act in any of these ways, you'll grieve my Holy Spirit and the judgments of God will begin to come upon your life. You see, there isn't any neutral ground. We're either under the blessing of God or we're under the judgments of God. There is no in-between place. There is no neutral ground to stand upon. That's why when we come now to the book of John, this precious verse You know, some passages of Scripture I just can't get away from. They keep jumping up and down every time and saying, read me, read me. I'm truth. Listen to me. John, the 12th chapter. Some Greeks have come just before the crucifixion weekend. And they're asking, could we see Jesus? But Jesus' agenda is clear and it cannot be changed now. Verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, that's a parable. That's a parable. Now let Jesus tell you what the parable means. The man who loves his life will lose it. The man who goes on his own course will lose his life. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. There is only one way to remove the judgments of God from our hearts, and that is to determine in our heart that we will follow and serve Jesus Christ. Any other position will bring the judgment of God upon us. Now, this gets right to the heart of the issue. If you're saying in your heart, I will serve God, but I will maintain my own identity. I will maintain my own life because there is a small area that I have carved out for myself. This belongs to me. And in this small area that's carved out, I can eat what I want to eat. I can go where I want to go. I'll do what I want to do. The rest of the time, I'll do what you want, Jesus. I'll go to church. I'll pay my tithes. I'll talk the talk. I'll be a Christian. But in this area, this is my area. And don't touch it, Jesus. It's then in that area that your judgments of God begin to be poured out upon us. So there is nothing more dangerous than a Christian who chooses to keep for himself a part of his life because that brings the judgment of God upon his family, upon his wife. It brings the judgment of God. If you want the judgments of God reversed over your marriage, over your children, over your life. You have to run to the throne of grace. You have to give up being double-minded. And you have to say, I will serve and follow Jesus Christ. I will do nothing other than serve and follow Jesus Christ. And every lie of the enemy, I will pick up the sword of the Spirit and I will go after him. Now, you understand, the devil is coming after all of us. Well, I choose no longer to run from him. I choose to go after him. The devil needs to know that when he comes after you, it's dangerous, because you're going to pick up the word of God and go after him. It's an easy thing to go attack something that won't have any response to you. No resistance, hey, no respect on your part for that. We don't respect people who have no defense. Oh, the devil doesn't respect anybody who has no defense. He just scoops you up and takes you along in his arms, destroys your family, breaks your relationships, causes all kinds of ugliness to come out of your mouth, causes darkness to flow from your spirit, bitterness and anger. And then, oh, woe is me. No, the Lord is saying, will you follow me? Will you serve me? 
So today, let's be finished with any illusion that we are not under the judgments of God when we are following our own course and when we're in the in-between place, when we're not totally committed to Jesus Christ. Those busy schedules, those daunting hours, that lack of finance, that split that's coming in family between husband and wife, that constant breaking and entrapment so that I can't get out and get what I need, all of that is the judgment of God. So today is the judgment of God on you? Is it on your family? Are you tired of it? Will you get to Jesus? Will you surrender? Almighty God. Almighty God, would you rescue us? Lord, we've lost our eyesight. We've lost sensitivity, perception, understanding. And we're miserable. Even as the children of Israel were miserable in Egypt, crying out under the slave masters. They have no pity, O oh God. They are relentless in their attack. They steal our time. They steal our strength. They steal our health. Lord, the devil wants it all. I pray today, Jesus, that you will come and begin to open my eyes, open my heart. I choose to follow you. I choose to serve you, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus
from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. We 